You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. It's all about you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, what you've done for us, your amazing love for us. We love you back. Lord, I ask for every person here today to receive revelation, for you to open their eyes, their minds, their hearts to see you and receive you for who you are. Lord, I ask that you would conform us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week, I I began a message about seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus as the living and true word. The last several times that I've, I've preached, I've shared, I've talked about seeing Jesus and who he is and who he needs to be in our lives. I am convinced, you can't change my mind, that if a person genuinely encounters Jesus and sees him for who he really is and encounters his love for them, they will never be the same. Our desire, our responsibility, our passion here as leaders is for you to encounter Jesus. Our our responsibility is to partner with the Holy Spirit to help reveal Jesus to you. Because if you see him and you know him and fall in love with him, you will be transformed and be like him and never want anything else besides him. He is that good. I, I know that he is that good. He is what it's all about. And last week we talked about him as the living and true word of God. And I want to just read a scripture we used last week. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is core, fundamental truth that we live by as followers of Jesus, that Jesus is God. That the word here is Jesus, and Jesus is eternal, no beginning, no end, and he is God. He is the creator of all things. It says, verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That is way better than the alternative. You are created, you are designed, and you are made in the image and likeness of God. Way better than evolving from a bunch of nothing into something and be descended from an ape. That is a lie. You were created. You are a masterpiece made by God. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word, Jesus, became flesh, became human, fully God, fully man, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We talked about last week that Jesus represents the Father. Jesus is the exact representation of God. If you want to know what God looks like, you want to know who he is, what he is like, look to Jesus. And Jesus even says about himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to show us who God is and what he is like. And God the Father, his message, his only sermon is look at my son. The Father constantly is telling us to look 
to Jesus. When Jesus was on this earth and was water baptized and came up out of the water, it says the heavens were opened, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, and the Father spoke audibly. He said, this is my beloved Son, and whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That's Jesus is the Father's message. When, when Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration where he, he, his face began to so, shine like the sun, his clothes became white as light, whiter than snow, Peter, James, and John are witnessing this, and Elijah and Moses are, are there with Jesus, and Peter doesn't know what to say. He, he's not in his right mind. He's in shock. He says, we should, it's really good for us to be here, Jesus. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. This is so amazing. Uh, we should create three tents, one for you, one for Elijah and one for Moses. We should just do something right now. I, I, I am overwhelmed and I feel the need for structure. I feel the need to do something to make something happen. I, I feel the need to be in control because I feel out of control. And, and what happens is, is the father descends in a cloud and speaks audibly and says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. If we just listen to Jesus more, our lives would be a lot better. If we realize that he is above all and he is all in all, our lives will become much better. And we talked about last week that the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus and that the Holy Spirit partnered with man throughout history to put together God's words for us on paper, that this is not just a collection of, of, peop of different people's opinions. This is not just a historical document, even though it is histor historically accurate. This is God's words on paper. This is his heart for us on paper, that Jesus is his words. You cannot separate what Jesus says from his words and, what his, and his heart. You cannot separate his heart from his words. This is God's heart for us. He puts his heart here for us so that we have an opportunity to know him. We talked about last week that it's the Bible's purpose is for us to know him. There's a lot of people who know a lot about God. There's a lot of people who know a lot of, in, a lot of things in this book. They grew up in church. They know the Bible stories. They can quote scripture. They memorize scripture. They know how to use it and find the scriptures in here. They know what certain parables mean. They know what certain things mean but they don't know the author. They don't know the person that this book points to. They don't know Jesus. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. They knew the Bible better than anyone, and Jesus says, you think that you have eternal life because you study the scriptures. These are the scriptures that point to me, and you don't have life because you don't know me. It's about knowing Jesus. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. So today I want to I continue in this vein and in, 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 this, in this idea of seeing Jesus as the, the living and true word. And you might be asking yourself, that, that's a great thought, that's truth, that's awesome. How does it apply to my life? What difference does that make for me and my life tomorrow when I go to work, when I'm with my family? How, how do I live my life based upon this truth of who Jesus is as the word? I'm glad you asked that question. I'm really glad because I have some great things for you. Number one, Jesus as the word is a foundation of truth to live on. Jesus as the word is a foundation of truth to live on. What are you living your life on? What do you base your life on? 
What is the foundation for your life? How do you make your decisions? How do you make your choices? How do you lead your life in a sense of the, of the, the, the direction that you're headed? What standards do you have? What beliefs do you have? What core values do you have? What convictions do you have of what is right and what is wrong? What do you base that off of? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Many of us build our lives on sand instead of on the foundation, the rock of Jesus. Jesus is truth. He is the person of truth. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus said about himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He did not apologize that the way is narrow. He did not apologize for being the only way to heaven, being the only way to eternal life. In fact, he didn't just say, I know the way, or I can point you to the way. He actually said, I am the way, and I am life itself, and I am the truth. You want to know what truth is? Look at me. Follow me. Jesus did not apologize for being direct. He did not apologize for it. Sand, what, you might be going, what is sand? How, how do I know if my life is built on sand? Sand is any teaching, thinking, philosophy of this world that is based on selfishness or sin or our own thinking of what we think is okay for our lives. If it's not founded on what the scripture says, it is sand. And we often wonder, why is my life shaky? Why do I go through all these storms of life and I feel like my life is crumbling around me? Why, why am I on a, an emotional roller coaster? Why am I in an emotional basket case? Why is everything falling apart in my life all of the time and I, I'm constantly shaken? Maybe your life isn't built on the rock, it's built on sand, and Jesus is trying to get your attention to say, hey, those thoughts those lies you believe that you think are true, those things that you're putting your attention and your times towards, they aren't me. Build your life on me. Set your foundation on me. I am the rock. I am sturdy and you can weather any storm in your life when you stand on me. In an ever-changing world that is fallen, that is influenced and impacted by darkness and is ran by selfishness, where there is uncertainty at every corner and every turn, you can have a certain hope. You can have a solid, certain truth in your life that never changes. Why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. You can rely on him. You can build your life on him. And when you know him, you can be in a place of security, certainty, you, you, you can be in a place of safety, peace, life, hope, joy, because of who Jesus is and your life built on him. Often we think 
that we know best. Often we think that our opinions are bigger than God's opinions. Often we think that we can live life this way in a certain way and think that it's okay. God will grace, grace us. He will tolerate it. He will be okay with it. And yet we wonder why there's this constant like tension in our lives, this warring in the inside of what to do, right or wrong. It's because your life is not founded on the rock. There is to be a certainty, an assurance that we have in our lives when our lives are built on Jesus. Here at the Promise Church, we will not compromise truth because of what the culture says. We will not compromise truth because of political pressure. We will not compromise truth because it's inconvenient or makes people feel uncomfortable. If you are uncomfortable with certain things that we do here, certain things that we teach, certain things that we pray for, certain things that we implement, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Being uncomfortable is, is not my, my, my goal, my mission. I am not here to make you feel comfortable. I am here to help you encounter Jesus. And Jesus is real, Jesus is truth, and Jesus will make you feel uncomfortable. We will stand on truth. We will speak the truth in love and grace. We don't expect anyone to be perfect. We don't expect anyone to never make a mistake. Our heart, our desire is if someone falls, makes a mistake, that we're right there with them, picking them up and restoring them together and seeing God's grace be demonstrated in their life. We don't expect you to be perfect, but we will not just try to be nice to the world or to people and leave them in their mess and hope that they just figure it out on their own. We will speak truth in love, in graciousness, in kindness. Why? Because people need Jesus, and he is the truth. We will not use God's word as a weapon against other people. You want to know why a lot of people don't like God or don't like church or don't want to go to church? Is because they've experienced someone using God's word as a weapon against them. Where people literally go into the Bible, research and study for things to say to a person to prove their point. Now, I got a lot of points that are true, and I study the Bible, but I'm not studying the Bible to prove myself right, to justify myself. I know it's true, and if you don't like it, that's up to you. I don't apologize for my intensity. I think Jesus was very intense. I'm going to try to smile more. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against darkness, against principalities and powers of darkness. And, and, I, and life is too short. Time is too valuable. Time is too precious to, to not give you the full gospel truth of who Jesus is, what he did for you, what is available for you, and what he paid for on the cross, that he paid on the cross for your righteousness so that you could be made righteous. And not only that, but that you could live in righteousness every day of your life. You don't have to sin. You don't have to hold unforgiveness towards the person who's hurt you in your life. You don't have to be a victim. Amen. From the mouth of babes. We should not be surprised if the world does not agree with us or doesn't like what we have to say. We should not be surprised if we encounter persecution or rejection or people not liking us. 
Jesus actually promised that it would happen. He said, the world will hate you because of me. But don't worry, they hated me first. And it doesn't mean that we wear it as a badge of honor, like, oh, the world hates me. It gives me a license to be a jerk. No. The reason, again, why people don't want a lot to do with church and God at times is because people are saying truth without revealing the heart of Jesus in the truth. If you connect with his heart in the word, you, re, you will communicate his heart and not just say a bunch of words. You will, they will feel your heart even if they don't agree with what you say. It's about connecting with God's heart. Some of you need to hear that you should not compromise in your workplace to try to fit in. Don't be surprised that people don't like you or agree with you. That isn't so that you can just say, well, I knew you wouldn't like me or agree with me. It's so that you can understand why you're being treated a certain way and that you can pray for them. The world is searching for truth, longing for truth. Just in case you were wondering, truth is not relative. There are absolutes. There are absolute, unconditional truths. And truth is a person. His name is Jesus. In John chapter 18, Jesus is on trial. He's about to be put to the cross. He's, he's been arrested, and he's standing before Pontius Pilate, the leader of the, the, of the Roman uh, govern, governorship in Jerusalem. And Jesus is awaiting a sentencing by Pilate. And Pilate is trying to see if this man they, they call Jesus, the king of the Jews, if he's guilty or not. And so they're having this conversation. In John 18, verse 33, Pilate then went back into the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Verse 34, Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Let that soak in. That's so powerful. Verse 38, what is truth? Retorted Pilate, what is truth? You can hear that question being asked maybe in your own life, in your own heart, in the world, all around us. People longing and desiring to know what is truth. And Jesus is in that moment standing there, probably bruised and beaten already, spit on, part of his beard's been pulled out, and he's standing there with probably chains around him, before Pilate, and Pilate says, what is truth? And Jesus says nothing. Silence. Can you hear the silence in that moment? Why? Because by standing in front of Pilate, Jesus was answering the question because he's saying, you're looking at him right now. I'm truth. I'm standing in front of you. And if you will receive me, you will know truth. We often think that we're our own decider of what is truth. We often think that we're, that we're the ones that decide for ourselves what is truth. I'm sure you might have talked to somebody in this life, in this world, that says what's true for you isn't true for me. Truth is relative. 
All these different things that people would say. Or you can think that's true for you, but that doesn't mean it's true for me. Who's the, who made us the final say on truth? I'm really glad that I am not the final say on what is true. My truth, our truth as followers of Jesus comes from outside of us. It's based upon who he is and what he's done and based upon his word. And this truth that he is has never been proven wrong. You won't understand everything about God. You won't understand everything about the scriptures. If you understood everything about God and everything about the word, then you would be God. God is all-sufficient, all-creator God who made everything. He is everywhere all at once. He is all-powerful. He lacks nothing. He lacks nothing. He doesn't need you. He wants you, but he doesn't need you because the idea of God needing you would mean that God lacks something if he doesn't have you. He wants you. Can you think about it? The creator of all life, the sustainer of all life, God himself wants you. You wants a relationship with you, wants you to know him as a friend. He wants you. He is so big. He is so mysterious. If we understood him, then we would be God. He actually says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than my thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and ways higher than yours. Embrace the mystery of God. Embrace mystery. Embrace who he is and put your trust in him. If you understood him, it wouldn't require faith. It wouldn't require trust. Trust him. There's a lie that's going, on, going around church, and it has been going around for a long time, that we must accept Jesus into our lives. As if he was on trial. As if he needed our acceptance and our approval to be relevant or to be true. That is not the case. He is not on trial. One day we will be when we stand before him and have to give an account for every part of our lives. We are, we are on trial, not him. We must receive him for who he is and he makes no apologies for who he is. You either take him as he is and at his word or you don't. It says in John chapter one, it says this, those who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. Not those who approve of him. No, he approves of you. Sometimes we get this all out of whack. Sometimes we get this all out of balance, all out of place. We put ourselves uh, equal or before God. There is no one like him. There is no one like him. He is God, and beside him, there is no one else. The reason the world doesn't want to believe in Jesus is not because of a lack of proof or evidence. Read the case for Christ. Listen to Ravi Zacharias. Listen to these amazing men of God who have done, done the homework, done the work, have encountered Jesus, and can prove to you scientifically and historically that Jesus is who he says he is. There is enough proof out there to prove that Jesus is who he is. The reason the world doesn't receive Jesus or trust him as truth is because of pride is because of selfishness, is because they don't want to be accountable for their own lives. Why do people believe in evolution and garbage that is just ridiculous? It's because they don't want to give an account for their life before God. They don't want to have to say, God, you're God and I'm not. No, they want to be God. They've made an idol out of themselves. He is who he is, and he makes no apologies for it. And he really loves you.
So much so that he died for you. That the God and creator of all life came and put flesh on, embraced the limitations of a human body, and is still human today, by the way, and has the scars to prove it. And he came and he died on a cross, the most brutal, torturous death known to mankind, and he took your place, became sin for you so that you might become righteous. He paved paved the way so that you could have relationship with God. No other God died for you. No other person has done something like that for you. Buddha didn't die for you. Muhammad and Allah didn't die for you. No one else has died for you. An angel hasn't died for you. Only Jesus. He was perfect in every way, tempted in every way without any sin. He took your place. He wants you to know him. He loves you so much. He did it all. No one made him. No one forced him. No one twisted his arm. He did it all because he wanted to, because he loves you so much, because you are that valuable to him. That all was for free. I still got three more points. Number two, Jesus as the word is our spiritual food. We can't be starving Christians anymore. There is enough resources, there is enough out there, there is enough available to us to be very nourished followers of Jesus. Some of us read a lot of word but it still doesn't nourish you. Why? Because you just check a box. You just gone through your routine, just read some stuff, but never connected with the author of the book while you read it. People ask me all the time, how much of the Bible should I read? Should I read one chapter a day? Should I read three chapters a day? Should I try to read the whole Bible in a year? And that's like six to eight chapters a day. Should Should I try to do that? And my answer is yes. Because I just want you to read the Bible. But how I read the Bible is is a little different. And I'm not saying you have to do it the way I do it or the way I recommend it. But I recommend connecting with Jesus while you read his word. Slow down. Write down what you hear him say to you while you read. Write down the verses and, the, and the, what, you read, what you read so that you can go back to it and you can see what God spoke to you in those moments. Bill Johnson says this, you know, people say, well, I don't, I don't remember what I, what I read a few days ago. I don't remember what I had for breakfast last Friday, but it nourished me. Read the word, it will nourish you. But I recommend reading slow enough to connect with him while you read. That's what he, his heart is for you. I did this this morning, okay? I'm gonna just window into Pastor Jonathan's time with the Lord this morning. Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will behold you in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. I stayed on that verse a long time. Prayed it. Oh, Lord, only you satisfy. I look to you, Jesus, not to what I got to do today, not to this message, not to the people that will be there. I look to you, Jesus. I put my focus on you. You're all I want. You're all I need. You satisfy. Seeing you satisfies me like nothing else. Went into Psalms 18. Didn't know this. Didn't study this for this message this week. But this is what it says. 
Verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. In case you were wondering, the Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? I'm like, God, I didn't even need the confirmation, but you gave it to me anyway. And who is the rock except our God? Like, Lord, I'm talking about the rock today. This is really good. I go on to verse or chapter 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. It goes on to say, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. This is who God is. I just begin to say, Lord, I thank you for your word. It refreshes my soul. Lord, your, your word is trustworthy. It makes me wise. Lord, help me to be simple in my life. Lord, Lord, your precepts are right. They give joy to my heart. Lord, you fill me with joy everlasting. Lord, your joy is better than anything that the world can manufacture. Lord, the commands of your, your commands, Lord, are radiant. God, give light to my eyes. Lord, let it be seen in me. Lord, that I know your word because it's alive in me. I begin to pray the scriptures. If you don't know how to pray, pray his word. Pray the scriptures. You don't know what to say? It's right here for you. Connect with him as you read. Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen to him. Let him speak to you. Let him nourish your soul. Number three, number three, Jesus as the word is the truth that sets you free. Jesus is the truth that sets you free. If Jesus wasn't the truth that set you free, then that means you wouldn't need to be free. But because he is the word that sets you free, that means you need to be free. Free from what? Free from yourself. Free from your old life. Free from sin free from selfishness, that you are to be dead to self, alive in him. God's word is meant to go deep into our lives, to, to address the motives, the agendas of our hearts, the thoughts of our minds. He's, his word is to go deep. It says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you going to renew your mind if you're not in the word of God to show you what truth is? By renewing your mind, it sets you free. If you believe lies and your life is, is in a sense a certain way because of the lies that you believe, the only way to get set free is to see those things as lies and to see what truth is and to see what the truth says, see what Jesus says. And the only way you're going to know that is by absorbing and receiving and looking into truth. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I need to change that part of my life. Oh, that is not okay. Oh, I need to change the way I talk. I need to change the way I, I, I think, the way I act. I need, I need to allow God to work in my heart. This is not someone making you do it. All of a sudden, you're in God's word, and he begins to do it in you on its own. It says this about the word of God in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
When you read this, it hurts so good. Oh, ouch. Yeah, okay, Lord, go there. Change that. Help me there. God's word says that we've been given all we need for life and godliness. It's already been given to you. You have access to it when in him and the divine nature he's placed in you and in his word and the Holy Spirit speaking to you on how to live that way he wants us to live. You have what you need to live like Jesus. Let him do it in you. Number four, Jesus as the word is a source. I should say the source of encouragement, endurance, and eternity for us. Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. God wants you to have hope, not despair. God wants you to give, to give you perseverance and endurance to not give up, to not lose heart, to not stop, but to keep going. And you can see the scriptures as a, an example to you. You can see the people in the scriptures, how they endured, how they were patient, how they waited. You can see that Jesus endured the cross for you because he loved you so much. And that puts endurance in you. That puts perseverance in you. That helps you keep going and have hope. Luke 21:33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. People want to base their lives on something that is true, that is solid, that will last, that they, they have a sense of purpose with their lives. They know what they're doing will last beyond them. There's nothing better. There's nothing more that you can live off of besides that than Jesus. His words will last forever. Who he is, is eternal. And you can live your life on him and know that you are a part of something way bigger than yourself and lasts way longer than you, that lasted way before you and will never end. It's him. He is the rock that you can build your life on. He is truth. Will you receive who he is as truth in your life? Will you allow him to be the living and true word of God conform you into his image and likeness. We got enough people trying to be, the, be who they think they should be. We are meant to be like Jesus. Will you stand with me? More than anything today, my heart, my desire for you is to know that you can trust Jesus. You can trust him with your life. You can trust that he is true. You can trust that he is with you and he'll never leave you. And you can trust that you, if you live your life with him at the center of your life and everything in your life revolving around him and you're in a pursuit to know him and, and to be in love with him, that everything in your life will begin to make sense, will fall into place. You'll have a, a love and a light, a, a love and a joy and a peace that's un, unexplainable. It isn't like anything you used to have. When he's in his, in his rightful place in your life, you will not be disappointed. That doesn't mean that everything in your life will be peaches and cream and you'll never have a hard, hard circumstance that you have to go through, but you can know that you can rely on him, that you can stand on him, that he's there with you the whole time. And his presence is better than anything else that we could ever have.
Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You're here today and you don't have a relationship with him. You're not in a journey of knowing him and where he is in charge of your life and you are following him. You're not asking him just to accompany you on whatever you want to do. You're actually following him. He's in charge. If that's you and you don't know him and you want to begin a journey of relationship with Jesus, I just ask that you'd raise your hand. We want to pray with you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to begin to follow him, you want to know this Jesus who is truth, who is love, who is life, and who died for you. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, we do not apologize for who you are because, Lord, you did not apologize for who you are. We receive the truth of who you are into our lives. We receive who you are, what you say, and what you've done as truth in our lives. Lord, give us a grace to stand on you, to stand on your truth, to follow you, to obey you, to live the life that you, you died for, that you paid for, Lord. Lord, I ask, Father, for every person here today that your word would come alive to them. God, that it would satisfy them. Lord, that they would enjoy the reading of your word. They would enjoy connecting with you in a deep and personal way. God, that they would connect with you deeper than they ever have before when they read the scriptures. God, that you would bring understanding. God, that you would open up their minds to understand your word like never before. That it would come alive inside of them, Lord. God, that they would go, wake up in the morning excited to be in your word with you. They would go to bed at night meditating and thinking on your word. They would live their entire day thinking of you, having their attention on you, listening to your voice. We thank you, God. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.